I was on holiday in Amsterdam recently and my phone kept popping up with reminders from my work calendar. No sooner had my phone pinged, I was reminded of what book I was editing, the meetings I was missing, the emails I wasn't replying to. Despite my out of office, life back home was stretching its pixelated hand out to me, trying to pull me back to the very routine I had just escaped from. Ladies and gentlemen, as a courtesy to our presenters and your fellow attendees, Please turn off all electronic devices. Welcome to the Rough Guide to Everywhere. My name is Amy White and I'll be your host after being passed the baton by the fantastic Neil and Becker. I'm an editor at Rough Guides and love nothing more than a budget-friendly trip, whether that means staying in a friendly hostel or chowing down on some local street food snacks. And just so you know, as well as guidebooks, we also offer tailor-made trips for your next adventure. Just head to roughguides.com to find out more. In our day-to-day -day lives, we are spending more and more time attached to our phones. They're plugged into our desks, are the last things we check before we sleep, and it's the way we pass the time while we wait for the bus. The list goes on. I was sick of being followed around by work. I wanted a holiday from my phone as much as my office to a place where you could get away from the distractions which your phone imposes on you. Is there a place where I can truly escape from my phone? Is it possible to find somewhere that is, well, quiet? Yeah, my name is Andrew Phelps. I'm an American photographer of living in Europe for the last, well, almost 30 years now. In 2015, Andrew and his collaborator, Paul Kranzler, went to West Virginia in search of the town Greenbank, in what's known as the Radio Free Quiet Zone. Greenbank is a town which has its own peculiar relationship with communication. The sense of quietness that you kind of expect when you go to the quiet zone comes mostly from the fact that you just don't have your cell phone with you. And it becomes so apparent how dependent we are on this thing. And it was frustrating sometimes to not have it to be able to just you know, quickly contact somebody or, you know, we don't even have maps anymore with us usually. Quiet, yeah, it felt quiet simply just because there's not much going on. And mentally it was just nice to not have a cell phone for a while. The mystical part of the place for us from the very beginning was this, this challenge to be going to a place to try to photograph something that you can't see. A place that they call the National Radio Quiet Zone, which means we're attracted to the fact that there's nothing there. And as a photographer, that makes a really interesting challenge. So why photograph something that isn't there? Greenbank, in the heart of the Appalachian Mountains, looks just like any other small, sleepy mountain village, except there's one crucial difference. In the National Radio Quiet Zone, electromagnetic and radio broadcast equipment is largely forbidden. Microwaves, cell phones, digital cameras, even the police, fire and paramedic radio communications are strictly regulated and are coordinated with the scientists at the research station. It was the communications black hole I'd been looking for. The telescopes, of course, are the main sort of first big visual attraction you see when you pull into town. And that's probably what initially first attracted us to the place. You, you pull into this 
beautiful lush green valley and you have these massive white structures out in the fields. The dishes are a couple hectares in diameter and they are radio telescopes so they are not looking into space but they're actually listening to electromagnetic signals coming from space and because they're so highly sensitive there can't be any electromagnetic disturbance anywhere near them. The National Radio Quiet Zone was created to protect these telescopes and give them the radio silence that they need to receive these electromagnetic waves that are coming from deep, deep space. When you photograph anywhere near the telescopes, you can't have anything electronic. That means we can't photograph digitally, we can't use light meters. Of course, we did a lot of nighttime photography just because they're so spectacular, so we couldn't use any kind of headlights. Um, which means when we were out walking amongst the telescopes at night, we were doing everything with cigarette lighters to navigate our way around and to set the cameras because the smallest little bit of electronic that I might have in a modern camera would be millions of times louder than any signals they're hearing from space. I wanted to find out more about this town. Who lives there? What do they do? And what would life be like if you went there? On one hand, of course, you have the locals who have lived there for hundreds of years and they still live on a lot of the, the original homesteads. They have a strong uh, relationship to hunting. And then, of course, you have the world-famous astrophysicists who move there. They're doing research on the telescopes. And then the third part of the trilogy are the electromagnetic hypersensitives who have relocated there because of the telescopes and because of the fact that the entire place has been designated a radio-free quiet zone, hence no Wi-Fi, no electromagnetic smog. While Andrew and Paul were there, they stayed with a man called Bob Sheets, who lives on the edges of the telescopes. How hard could it be to get a hold of someone in Greenbank? They don't have cell phones, but they do have landlines. And so we attempted to call Bob. Uh, just a second. I think I've got your name here on Skype. And if I click on that, we're going to connect. Is that correct? Hello there, and welcome to Greenbank, West Virginia, the home of the Radio Free Quiet Zone and the Greenbank Observatory. I'm happy to be with you today from uh, what many would consider to be a rough place to get to. Uh, if you're traveling north and south in the Appalachians, then travel is fairly easy. You're following the flow of the rivers, but if you happen to be going east and west, then the Appalachian Mountains are in your way, and you'll find yourself going up, down, around, seldom through, but occasionally that does happen. At this point, Bob's recording equipment cut out. As you might expect, it's tricky connecting with anyone living in a communications black hole. In the end, Bob managed to get the internet working. It was dial-up. Did you grow up in Greenbank? Yes, I grew up. I was born and raised here. I live on property that uh, my ancestors Blaze claimed and in the 1700s. Uh, they came here from uh, the next valley over. Uh, if you look at immigration patterns in colonial America, it was always okay. What's over the next mountain? What's in the next valley? We are in West Virginia. We've been here in one shape or form ever since. What makes us unique 
is the fact that back in 1957, the National Science Foundation elected to, to build a large radio telescope here. That in order to do that, they looked around to look for quiet places. And we were quiet. Weighing 17 million pounds, the Green Bank Telescope is one of the world's largest moving land structures. And yet it's based in one of the more unexpected places in the country. Life in Green Bank is slow. I think Pocahontas County has one, two, we have three stoplights. And I get frustrated. Uh, <laughs> we have stop signs. Uh, we don't have a roundabout but we do have three stoplights. The closest Walmart we have is about 55 miles. And most Americans are located about 20 miles from any Walmart. It's a little hard to get here. When we're traveling, we rely on the mapping services on our phones to tell us where we're going. When I thought about it, I realized I'm staring down at a rectangle with a 2D satellite view of where I am instead of looking up and around for pointers that will help guide me later on. But this is a luxury that isn't available in Green Bank. A lot of people come here to go hiking. If you take a hike here, you could get lost. And we have people that get lost here. Not necessarily hiking, usually driving, because they trust their GPS. And they turn off of a paved road, onto a gravel road, onto a dirt path. And sometimes that dirt path is, is covered with snow. And then they have to walk back to hopefully some aspect of civilization, make a phone call. We've had some very dangerous situations like that. I have a compass <laughs> and I have actually found my way through some traffic jams and, and Washington, D.C. And, and around Pittsburgh, uh, not by a map, but by looking at the compass and figuring out, okay, if I get off this, I can get onto this road, I can go this direction for a while and avoid this thing. And that's not the way most people do it. Due to the presence of the telescopes, mobile phones are banned. From what Bob is saying, if I'm honest, I'm not sure I could hack it. I can go without my phone temporarily, but to turn Wi-Fi off permanently? I don't buy newspapers, I don't send letters, and I don't think I even have any physical photographs from the past 10 years. What effect does it have on the everyday life of the people living in Greenbank? I don't suffer from FOMO. Do you know about FOMO? Oh, yeah, I know all yes. about FOMO, yeah. <laughs> I do suffer from FOMO, so maybe I need to come out to Greenbank. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've, I've had a few people here that, you know, they, they, they've got that wrist movement down. It's like, oh, you know, I'm looking at my phone. I'm, uh, it's not happening. No, nah, not going to do it here. How do you all communicate with the, within the community? People coming here now do find that we tend to talk face-to-face -face more and, and have conversations more rather than texting back and forth. I'm more comfortable picking up a telephone and calling somebody than I am necessarily relying on, on email because I don't know when they're going to check their email or when they're going to be back to their email. And I'm the same way. I, I might get busy out here doing things and might not check my email. And people come here because they do want to get away from 
they want to experience uh, a, a, a lifestyle that doesn't necessarily have the pressure of living around a lot of people and having all of those interactions. It's a mistake to think that people have don't have any technology. Most people have landlines. You make an appointment with somebody and then you actually stick to the appointment and you get there on time and you don't you don't have that option of sending somebody a quick text message saying, hey, you know what, I'm going to be 10 minutes late. We left Green Bank after being there for several weeks. Each time we, we always had a rental car and we had to drive back to Washington, D.C. and we'd be taking the little shuttle train from the rental car shop to the airport, and it's at that point where you, you realize everybody is on their cell phone. And both of our cell phones were still in the bottom of our suitcase, and you know there was this, this feeling of, okay, as soon as we open that box again and go down that rabbit hole, then there's kind of no putting it down. And uh, feeling different simply came from not having my cell phone with me all the time, not in a physical way, but simply in the way of kind of being tethered to it. I really get what he means about not feeling tethered to your phone. When you don't have your phone with you, there is this sense of just getting on with things that really matter. You don't need to take a photo or update people as you go along. You can just interpret and enjoy the moment yourself. The noise in your head peters out and you can focus on the space you are in, right there and then in the moment. Well, the hypersensitives who don't have any kind of... Um way of communicating. You would just kind of drive out to their place, which was often in the middle of the woods, and you could, you could put a post-it on their door saying, you know, I would like to come tomorrow and make a portrait of you at noon. And then you go back the next day at noon, and there might be a post-it on the door saying, oh, you know, too bad, I can't be here at noon, but you could come by tomorrow at 11. And this sort of old-fashioned way of communicating was kind of the best you could do. The electromagnetic community who live in Greenbank are often referred to as Wi-Fi refugees. They're fearful of the radiation effects from the electromagnetic fields. Some of them have fled their hometowns in search of a peaceful, healthier life. The illness is known as electromagnetic hypersensitivity syndrome, and sufferers experience migraines, rashes and extreme fatigue. They know that Greenbank offers a solitude from this, and for some who have relocated, their conditions have improved. Hello? My, my name is Diane Scow. Diane Scow moved from Iowa to Greenbank back in 2007. She was one of the first Wi-Fi refugees in the town. I live in Greenbank, West Virginia. I had to move there to get away from electromagnetic radiation. A cell tower was built about a third of a mile away from my home. After nine months of exposure, I became ill from the emissions from that cell phone tower. She started speaking to others who were experiencing the same symptoms as her, rashes, terrible headaches, and following her advice, they moved to Greenbank as well. The health effects were a headache, which I rarely have headaches. Uh, my vision changed and I couldn't sleep. It's not fun to have and it changes one's life. You may have to give up uh, going to work. You may have to give up having family events. You may have to give up going to meetings or celebrations. When I got away from the exposure of the towers, I just was more as a normal person, but I have to be careful of exposure. It's quite painful, and the pain often lasts for a period of time. It's like getting an injection for tetanus. 
then your arm might get sore. Well, this headache is similar to be exposed to a cell phone and getting a pain that may take a couple days uh, for it to go away. She's been really influential in expressing concern with the health effects technology has on their lives. I wanted to find out what life for her was like as someone who had lived elsewhere before Greenbank and how she views her life now. To talk to people and not to have them on their iPad or Androids or cell phones is very, very common here. People who move here, uh, they go through a withdrawal. People here look at you in the eye and they will talk to you and they like to hear about you and they like to talk about what their life is like and to me it's amazing to find people that like to talk. To go to a city, it's rather lonely and then they don't want to bother talking with you. It's uh, disappointing that people don't believe me and they're not accepting that this invisible environment is harmful and just people don't want to look. So Greenbank is seeing more people relocating or visiting Greenbank to get away from electromagnetic fields. What are the people like who are coming from outside of Greenbank to Greenbank? If you go back to uh, the, the 18th century and the seven, 1700s, as Europeans, uh, British, German, Irish, Scottish, uh, French, as they were coming to the New World, almost all of those people were consistently looking for uh, another lifestyle, another opportunity to develop a lifestyle that they were more comfortable with, something that would make them happier, healthier, and more prosperous. A lot of people have, have moved here, and I hope it's helping them out. The, electromagnetic sensitive people, they're, they're looking for a better quality of life, a healthier lifestyle, and they feel like that uh, Green Bank might offer them that. You can't break that down into a, a black and white discussion of whether it is or it isn't because the human organism and uh, we as human beings, we have certainly different sensitivities to those things that are around us and the environments that impact us. I mean, Right now, our pollen count around here from our forest is sky high. I mean, sometimes our white pine pollen here looks like yellow dust coming off a chalkboard blowing through the air. And some people that bothers, other people that does not. And you, you just can't break down the human organism into, oh, it's either this or that, because it's not. We're, we're just, it's just too complex. We don't know enough yet. That's why the observatory is here because we, we don't know enough yet. The hypersensitives are there um, trying to sort of simplify their lives as best they can. Obviously nobody has cell phones. It makes it kind of difficult to get a hold of them. The hypersensitives who are moving there are just super appreciative of the fact that there's nothing going on, that it's very low key. What's the community like today then? It sounds like it's gone through a lot of change. I often say this, there's not that many of us, we can't afford to disagree a whole lot. The people that you might offend might be the people that are coming to pick you up in the ambulance. <laughs> the people that are, you might offend might be the people that you need to work on your vehicle. The people that you might offend might be the people that uh, you know, you're, you're going to the dentist with.
Another amazing thing about Greenbank is the night sky. Because radio waves are at a minimum, that means the light pollution is too. It's a winning formula all round. While the scientists are benefiting from listening to the stars, visitors and residents can marvel at the black skies pinpricked with white dots and feel connected to the world again. One of the reasons they chose the Green Bank Valley is the entire valley itself is sort of a massive bowl. So this, this bowl, which occurs there naturally, gave the scientists a really good start at kind of protecting the area from electromagnetic smog coming from a long way away, and also from city lights from other cities. So when you're in Green Bank, you kind of feel like the sky is, you're, you're almost looking out sort of at a cutout of the sky. And if you, know, if you get lucky and there are no clouds, I mean, it's just phenomenal what you can see because there's almost no light around you. So you have nothing but the stars to see. Two out of three Americans cannot see the night sky because of light pollution. I've had many people visit us here, take them outside at night and have them look up, and it's the first time that they have really seen the Milky Way and have seen the night sky. So if you're talking about the natural world, kind of unique that for them to have that experience when you're with them and realize they go, wow, I did not know that was there because they had grown up in an environment that just blocked so much of that out. Greenbank plays host to an annual star party called Almost Heaven, inspired by the song Country Roads by John Denver. Cabins and farmers markets open up, tours of the observatory run regularly, and astronomy-focused lectures are led by experts. John Denver, I don't think, ever made it into West Virginia. He was up close in the eastern panhandle, and he got the Shenandoah in there, and that's not in West Virginia, but, you know, we'll, we'll take it, and everybody gets excited by it, and it's sort of the unofficial, uh, you know, West Virginia anthem, and uh, yeah, it, it's okay, but yeah, we are almost having, <laughs> but <laughs> like, like everybody in their environment, and what we, uh, what we grew up around, we tend to, to think everybody has, and so... When I went off to college, I, I sort of thought everybody had a telescope, you know, in their backyard. Not true. <laughs> not, what you, not what you find out there, you know. Uh, and I thought that everybody had, you know, PhDs coming to dinner with their parents that were talking and writing scientific papers, which my mother, who was the executive secretary, was, was typing up. And, and sending out and publishing. And I thought, well, yeah, that, that's what everybody does, you know, in, in our little siloed environment. And then you would tell people about where you lived and what they did, and they would go, I didn't know you did. Well, yeah, okay, that's, that's just where we are. Traveling for me is about stripping back to essentials and exploring the area myself rather than relying on a phone to fill the gaps. Hearing what Bob, Andrew and Diane had to say about Greenbank made me think about my connection to my phone. There's no doubting that I'm dependent on it, and for the most part it is very useful and helpful, but I think there is a line when it stops being practical and starts feeling addictive. I've broken and lost enough phones to be without them for a few weeks, and it's felt really freeing. 
I had to meet friends at a specific place at a specific time instead of sending each other regular journey updates. It made things feel a bit more simple and that I could get on with other things. If you enjoyed this episode and are interested in heading to America, Rough Guide's tailor-made trip servers can help you plan and book your perfect itinerary. The Rough Guide to Everywhere is presented by me, Amy White, and produced by Femi Oriogan-Williams and executive producer Alana Chance for reduced listening. We hope you enjoyed listening to the first episode of Series 4. Next week, we've got something a bit different lined up. We're launching a new sister series, Insight Guides, which offer in-depth perspectives into the places you've always wanted to visit. See you next time.